My name's Dave Aston. I'm a small part of this world. I'm a guy. And this is my podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Small Guy Podcast. Uh, Man. Welcome to 2021. 2020, bye. (laughs) I think that that sort of sums it up. Uh, And a lot of people are like, you know what? I don't remember 2020. Don't talk to me. Don't nothing. But like the good journalist in me uh, and this new awesome mic that you're listening to, um, shout out to MXL, by the way. MXL makes really good mics. I don't get paid by them. Um, but this is an MXL 990. So if you're hearing a little bit different tonal quality to me than you're used to from 2020, this is 2021. I'm flipping the switch, throwing the dial all the way to a completely different, hopefully more rich sound and that you'll be able to appreciate. Um, but anyway, that's, that's, that's for the mic microphone nerds out there for the, for the audio geeks, uh, for the rest of you. Uh, this week, I'm breaking down my top 15 uh, events of 2020. Now, like everything, this is sort of based in opinion, but you got to admit there is a lot of high-profile stuff out there outside of this godforsaken pandemic that I'm sorry to say is carrying forward with us into 2021. Uh, and there's a lot with it. Um. And most of this list is in no particular order. Uh, my top five, however, are um, in levels of importance to me. And we'll get there. Number 15, the Australian bushfires. Yeah, believe it or not, this was 2020. It was a high-profile uh, thing. It's, I know it seems like forever ago because this pandemic has been going on for so many centuries. <laughs> but this was a thing uh, in... In early January, because the fires had been raging on since like late November, early December of 2019, and it, it was it was devastating, like 47 some million acres, possibly more, uh, and something like 30, 35 people dead. Uh, this thing devastated Australia. Their their agricultural economy is is hurting. They're they're headed for you know now they're headed for some. Uh, decent summer weather, and hopefully the crops bounced back uh, in, in the you know over the uh, over the you know from the the winter cover and things like that. Um, I feel for them because they, they have a con a country which is an entire continent. It's about the size of the United States, but they have far fewer people to deal with the issues. They aren't isolated. You know, you got New Zealand and Japan and and China and a few other countries near them that do a decent amount of trade with Australia. So hopefully, economically, they've been able to survive. Um, and that was right on the heels of them ordering a uh, countrywide shutdown because of COVID-19. We're going to get to that. Co- COVID, y- you and I have to discuss something. <laughs> I know that's weird to, to personify a virus that's like plagued the world, Um but he, bear bear with me. Bear with me. There there are reasons for me saying that. 
Uh, number 14. I'm not sure why this fascinates me, but it sort of does. Meghan Markle and the former Prince Harry uh, of the British royal family said see ya to uh, their royal titles. And they're really monetarily, neither one of them really needs it. Uh, especially because Harry is married to Meghan. Meghan, is a, as many of you know, is a famous actress, and she's got oodles of money. They don't have to worry about money. Um, I think really it more has to do with the kerfuffle over the fact that she's not of UK citizenship. I think the fact that she's American has a lot to do with it. That's a personal opinion. I, I, I can't vouch one way or the other for whether or not that's right, wrong, indifferent. I couldn't tell you. Um, but that's what it feels like. Uh, and they seem to be ecstatic. They seem to be very happy. They have several children. And, you know, I wish them luck. I really do. Um, and it's it's almost like this feels kind of in a way, although this is m- somewhat morbid to say this because I lived through this. Uh, it, it feels in a way kind of like the split between Princess Diana and Charles. I, I know that's morbid. I'm sorry. It's a little bit morbid, especially considering what happened to Princess Diana uh, several years after the divorce. But I don't know. It, it feels like a divorce in a way. Uh, the, the British royal family has always made sure that their image has been squeaky clean and this doesn't come off as entirely squeaky clean. Um, it's, you know, but you know, people got to make their, make their choices. So, um, I just found it fascinating. And as hard as this to be- is to believe, we're only a few weeks shy of the one year anniversary of this is, and this is number 13, Kobe Bryant's death and his, his lovely daughter, uh, Gianna. Uh, who, along with seven other people, uh, went down in what I think was just poor judgment. It was a helicopter crash uh, in uh, somewhere, I think, in Southern California. It's in California, that much I know. Uh, and it um, it was it was a blow to the sports world. Kobe was a local legend, as many know. Uh, graduated from Lower Marion High School and uh, instead of going to college, went to the pros and it was one of the very, very few. I can't stress this enough for people who are listening. Uh, He was one of the very, very few that made it. He made it and in, in the pros right out of high school. You have to be, and Kobe was, a very unique person to have that happen. Uh, and to this day, my condolences to his family, to his friends, to his wider basketball family and friends and uh, those who respected him. I personally am not a basketball fan, but I can appreciate talent when I see it. And Kobe Bryant was one of those many uh, who had talent, but he was one of the few where the talent rose to like the highest heights. Uh, you could see it in the way he played. And better still, you could see it in the years after he left basketball. You could see that he wanted to focus in on life, on family. Um, it was it was a transformation that I wish most sports players would 
muscle through while they're in the sport. But as they say, better late than never. Uh, so uh, Kobe Bryant, Gianna, and I'm sorry, the other seven people whose names I've completely forgotten and didn't research before I did this show. Um, may you may you all, as they say, rest in peace. Um, you got a chance to miss this pandemic. You got a chance to miss a lot of other weird things. Um, but it would be nice to have you here. Just to say hi one more time. So, you know, whatever, whatever's happening up there in heaven, whatever's happening, you know, in that, what we, what we Torah Jews call the heavenly academy. If you're up there studying with the almighty himself, Kobe, more power to you, man. Um, because I know you're loving something that no mortal can grasp. And thanks. Thanks for your 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 guts. A lot of guts, seriously. It takes a lot of guts to go straight from high school to pros and nothing in between. Nothing to fall back on. Um, but sometimes when you know you have the talent, you just got to go and grab it. You just got to do it. And forget what the rest of the world says. You just got to take the bull by the horns and mess with it a little bit risk that you know you're gonna get stabbed with those pointy things kobe kobe's life wasn't completely clean personally or you know in the sports world but no man's is seriously no no, nobody's nobody's perfect nobody's completely clean Uh, we all have our mistakes but when you look back on somebody's life the only thing you should ever talk about are the good things, if you can. Uh, if you can. If, if, you know, Kobe, thank God, wasn't like some of the other more unsavory characters of human history. He was a basketball player, and he was a very good one. Um, I know if I, if I were to talk to people who uh, who know about basketball, they always talk about Kobe, and they start comparing him to other greats that you know, even I've heard of like Larry Bird and Michael Jordan and so forth. Um, and, you know, you can't argue with it. And the tragedy of that moment, uh, the announcement I think came through late January, like January 26th or something like that uh, last year. The fact that his daughter went with him and seven other friends or some may even have been complete strangers, uh, it just magnifies what could be a desperate moment, you know, real, real downer. But that's when we look to the good things of the lives of the people that have been left behind. And the same to be said for the hundreds of thousands uh, that have been lost to COVID. Same thing. You know, your life is forever changed when no one's around. You know, you can't rewind the clock. It's not like getting sick and getting better. You know, things go back to a routine. There is no going back to a routine when someone's no longer on this earth. It just—it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. That should be self-understood. Number twelve. Something just as distressing, but on a—I don't know—just as distressing. But for a conservative like me, I'm going to say equally distressing because it's something that shows the the opposite of the good of humanity. When we look back on Kobe's life and we bring up all the good stuff, this is bringing up all the bad stuff. 
and for no reason whatsoever. Number 12, Trump's impeachment. As much as we want to forget this, we can't. We cannot forget Donald Trump, regardless of how long he is or will be in office. Donald Trump was a transfixing figure. There's no question about it. And the impeachment sort of underscored how much people's hatred was willing to extend based on nothing. There was as little evidence to bring an impeachment against Donald John Trump as the president of the United States as, frankly, there was against Bill Clinton. And uh, look, you're listening to the voice of somebody who is a staunch conservative. You are listening to somebody who um, who has never voted for a Democrat in a national election ever. (laughs) No senators, no congresspersons, no presidents, nobody win or lose. I've never voted for a Democrat on a national ticket ever. And I don't plan to, especially not after this year. But. In all fairness to Bill Clinton, the Republicans had nothing. So Bill Clinton did some morally inappropriate things, supposedly with an intern in a blue dress in the Oval Office. If we were to impeach or try to remove every president who did something that the hashtag MeToo movement would just go ape on ugly over... We'd never have had a president going all the way back to George Washington. Uh, As the old aphorism goes, when you go around to the various places here in the Delaware Valley that have that nice little historical plaque, verified historical plaque uh, that says George Washington slept here, the aphorism says that he didn't sleep alone and Martha was back on on Martha and Martha Washington was back home on Mount Vernon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, yeah, look, the, the the Donald Trump impeachment was a complete waste of the Senate's time, a complete waste of taxpayer money. And as it's turning out, nearly a year to the day that they announced the impeachment uh, and 11 months since his acquittal, it, it's turning out that. Donald Trump may not have been all that wrong about Joe and Hunter Biden and and the whole Ukraine thing. Uh, It turns out that long before the 2020 impeachment of Donald Trump, that Hunter Biden's activities were being investigated by the DOJ and by the FBI. (laughs) Two organizations whose politics are supposed to be completely neutral. Uh, And we saw that with James Comey a few years back, that wasn't the case. Uh, I I can't speak to the entirety of the FBI. I'm sure that they're very um, forthright, stalwart, as much as they can be apolitical individuals. Uh, James Comey was not, clearly. No question about it. But here, they're at least attempting to do their job, or at least so it appears for the moment, where they... um, they're trying to see whether or not there's some kind of hanky-panky, business-like, you know, criminal-like going on with Hunter Biden. Is it enough to bring up charges against Hunter Biden, much less his dad? 
uh, who is the presumed president-elect still. Um, who knows? I, I, that I got to leave to the courts. Number 11, Harvey Weinstein's conviction. Uh, this one I bring up only because of the hashtag MeToo movement that just went completely off the rails starting in 20, about 2017 when Harvey Weinstein's uh, real crimes. And there's, there's, no, there's no twisting it. They were real crimes. He was a creep. He was a predator. He was a sexual predator. There's just there's no way of getting around it. He was uh, somebody who knew he had a lot of power, a lot of clout, and a lot of money and decided to do some inappropriate things in the workplace. Harvey Weinstein was not the best of human beings. And, you know, his conviction sort of solidified what we all sort of knew anyway, that his career was over, that Matt Lauer's career was over. And it it started off as, well, wait a second. Hashtag me too, believe all women. Wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, Harvey Weinstein was one of those rare few where there was ample evidence. Uh, people like Matt Lauer, uh, mm, mm -mm, I don't know. That's uh, on the fence. I'm no fan of Matt Lauer's, but that one, my jury's still out on that one, and that's been at least three years. So, I don't know. It's, it's, this is all. This is all just a weird thing, this whole hashtag Me Too thing. I, I think it's just too much bandwagon nonsense. Uh, but Harvey Weinstein brought it out to international consciousness. He, um, he, he did the wrong things, and he should have kept his pants zipped. Let's just call it what it is. Uh, but that iconic, that picture of him, it's going to be iconic from this point forward. Kids who are going to grow up after this era and go, what the heck was all of this? Uh, and this gonna, they're going to see that iconic picture of a really old man with a stooped shoulders and a bent back, you know, crawling down a corridor, being carried away uh, to a multi-year sentence. Um, and and I, I suppose our kids might look at that and go, but why? He's too old. Just let him die. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know, kids. I don't know how I would explain it to my children. Uh, the, these last few years have been so weird. This last year, in particular, has been have been so has been so weird. Um, not that any of us don't know that off the top of our heads. Um, the people who work in the stock market know that. Number ten. Uh, the stock market crash and surprising rebound, which no one has talked about. I've looked through several top 10, top 20 lists to put this show together for the New York Post, New York Times, and a few others. And they all talk about the crash, which, yes, it was a huge crash. It was very bad. It was very bad. It almost put us into depression territory. We had that many jobs because of the government-ordered shutdowns. We had that many jobs gone. We had that little liquid cash going from business to business and person to person and person to business. The, the money just wasn't flowing because nothing was allowed to be opened uh, unless you were quote-unquote essential. Uh, and whoa, it was like, hold up, wait a second. <laughs> uh, and... The stock market, thankfully, they've got little protections and, and stoppage in, in trading and things like that. 
and, and we learned that from the crash in the 1930s uh, that caused the country's greatest depression. And say what you will about Donald Trump, but his deregulating of the system caused the stock market's complete rebound. And as of the day you're hearing this podcast, the largest lead that the stock market has ever had, the New York Times exchange, that is. Uh, New York, what did I say? New York Times. Jeez. Um, not New York Times exchange. The New York Stock Exchange. Um, yeah. <laughs> New, York, New York Times exchange. Sorry. A little flub on my part. Uh, but the New York Stock Exchange is the highest trading dollar it's ever been at. Like, think about that. We're still in the depths of the pandemic. There are still several states, including New York and California, that have these really strict, really almost draconian and Machiavellian shutdowns still going on. And our stock market is better than when the pandemic started, than when the government shutdowns started. Think about that for a minute. We've got cash flowing at higher amounts and higher rates on the American public business market now than before the shutdowns were announced back in March of 2020. That's astounding. And I'm not going to put all the credit on Donald Trump. You can't do that. You can't put all the successes and failures on a single president. I never have and I never will. But his assistance in deregulating things got that going. He got something else going that's on my top five list and we'll get there shortly. Number nine. Like 1968, this was the summer of protests. I wasn't kidding. <laughs> no, 1968 was a bad year. Um, when you look at things from a conservative point of view, it was a very bad year. You got you got hippies, you got people doing drugs openly on the streets and things like that. And, and 2020 and even to 2021, I'm sorry to say, you've got the same thing going on. Uh, you've got Portland, who officially, as of November, legalized drugs, all drugs, hard drugs, uh, marijuana, all of it. It's just it's all legal now. So you can go out and basically kill yourself on crack. Uh, and there's nothing you, that can be done in the state of Oregon. Zilch. Nothing. Um, as you heard on one of my previous shows, I debated the merits of marijuana, which I see a lot of pluses and minuses with marijuana. Um, but I'm not going to go there with that. You, you can go back uh, to that episode and hear my thoughts about that. I, I'm not a big fan of of... Drugs that have a deleterious effect. It, I, I see it as becoming uh, an alcoholic. It's the same, same actually in many ways worse of an effect than alcohol. That uh, you know, I'm not going to get into that. But th this this was one of the the biggest problems I had with 2020, and one of the reasons that led to one of my top one of the bullets in my top five. That we'll get to shortly. Uh, the protests just they, there was no reason for them. I, I understand you're upset about you know an unarmed black man getting quote unquote murdered by the police, which every single one of the ones that got popularized was per, was tr proven to be false. Um, 
many of the individuals that got popularized were in fact already criminals, some of them in the act of doing another crime when they were shot and some were killed. Um, should George Floyd have been killed over 20 bucks? No. Was he killed by Derek Chauvin? Not according to the medical examiner. It's hard to know. The optics were bad, okay? Uh, Derek Chauvin having his knee on on uh, George Floyd's neck, that, that was a bit careless. Um, but as the reports go, the two already had a run-in with one another. So who's to know who's to say? It could have been like, hey, George, come on, man, stop struggling. This this is getting old. Who knows, man? The, George Floyd was high on fentanyl and, and a whole bunch of other things. It just made that look bad. Um, was George Floyd a martyr? Did he uh, deserve to be the impetus of a summer's worth of riots? No, absolutely not, especially not when we have people already tensed up from being cooped up for months because of unne- what became unnecessary government shutdowns. No, we didn't need the summer of protests. And I have a feeling that when somebody writes a history book 10, 20 years from now, that's what they're going to call the summer of 2020, the summer of protests. It won't be the summer of love because there was no love in any of those protests. It was all hatred all the time. I even mentioned that. There's a customer that came into my store while one of these uh, – it, it was a peaceful protest. Let me be fair. It was a peaceful protest going down the main street in front of uh, where I work. And uh, one, one of those customers came in and there was talk already happening and she thought how lovely this was and people expressing their First Amendment rights, which I won't stop anybody from doing. Never. That is never going to happen. You'll never see this face or hear this voice ever say to anyone that they can't exercise their First Amendment rights. Any one of them with any restriction. Gavin Newsom, Andrew Cuomo, you listening to me? Zero restriction on the First Amendment, period. Even if it's things, religions I don't like that I think are very harmful, even if it's, uh, you know, speech that I think is very harmful to the society, you know what? You got to leave the door open, man. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. You know, if you're going to be, you're going to use your free speech to be nice to somebody, you got to risk somebody using their free speech to come everything short of punching you in the face you got to put up with it it's called humanity uh and, and to shirk any of it to shrink any of it to have somebody define what that is is just it doesn't lead to our peaceful society that aside um this protest was going right in front of our store and this one lady came in oh how wonderful it is and, da, 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 and i came in and, and some people were talking you know some of my co-workers were talking about it and this lady said something and it was like, um, how, you know, it, how wonderful is it that they can use it to justify their, um, their faith in the justice system or encourage that the justice system should be changed or something like that, you know, that it, that it was a protest for justice for a murdered person. And I looked, I looked at her and I looked straight at her and I said, nothing justifies the anger period. I don't care what kind of protest you put up. I'm not going to stop you from having a protest. Matter of fact, please do. Whatever cause brings you that much, you know, 
passion, that much directed fire, go for it, man. I'm not going to stop you. But you got to be more careful. The anger is never justified. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your perspective is. I don't care if you're fighting for conservative causes. I don't care what your bag is. The anger is never justified. So be careful. Be measured in your response. Go ahead and protest. But don't protest with anger. You're sending the wrong message, especially to our next generation. Number eight. The murder hornets. Remember those? Yeah, believe it or not, they're still around, um, still devastating uh, because of the onset of winter. Much smaller sections of the Northwest and of California, but they're still around. Uh, and there's a lot of conjecture that they'll head east. And if they do, hold on, because uh, these things can wipe out a regular beehive because there's no natural predator here in the States for them. We have to go out, find them, kill them ourselves. Um Watch out, because they can take down an entire hive in a matter of hours. And if you're one of those people like my mother who's allergic to bees and you, you're you like, eh, get rid of those things. No, 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 no. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Bees are our pollen carriers. They make trees and other flowers and even some crops grow. You don't have bees. You don't have flowers. You don't have other, you don't have flowers. Trees wither away. You don't have trees, some crops wither, wither away, and it just it sort of cascades down. Um, yeah, so all power to the people trying to get rid of the murder hornets. Good luck. Uh, let's hope that 2021 sees the end of the murder hornet in the United States. Number seven, the Beirut explosion. Uh, it, it was a one-off event, but it brought back the reality of of disaster, of a disaster that um, hit what had become up to that point an ignored corner of the world for, you know, at least the last 10 years or so. There was usually when you hear about Lebanon, you hear about their kerfuffle with Israel or their kerfuffle with Syria. This time it was a real human tragedy and it was an accident, an accident that could have happened here. In the United States, a couple of years back, there was a refinery explosion in Philadelphia. Same thing. Could have wiped out, like it did in Beirut, could have wiped out hundreds of people. Could have wiped out hundreds of people. And, I mean, in Beirut it did. Thank God here it didn't. But nonetheless, it's it, it's it's one of those human tragedies and sort of refocuses you and, and says wow, hold up, things could be a lot worse instead of, you know, this slow numbers game that we're playing with COVID, we could have 200 people dead in a second. <laughs> um, so to you people out there shoring up manufacturing and trying to figure out how to build buildings, you know, more safely, more power to you, um, maybe you can go over to Beirut and help them out build a new ammonium refinery because that's what blew up. Number six, uh, notable deaths. Well, there have been several hundred thousand notable deaths. Uh, but here in the United States, there's a lot of people who like to focus in on the celebrities. Um, that's not usually my thing, but several people, I'm going to name three, several people um, were your sort of cultural game changers. 
obviously we know about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Supreme Court Justice, uh, who died um, a few months back. And, and that rocked a lot of people, you know. A lot of people went just completely emotionally crazy on social media. You could have just survived to 2021, I heard one woman scream. Um, it's just, it. yes, her her death was tragic. All deaths are tragic. Yes, she was a transfixing figure. Yes, she was an important figure in, uh, in the cause for uh, American liberty. Politically, I disagreed with a lot of her assertions, but the fact that she fought so hard and staunchly uh, for those things that she felt were to be rights bestowed upon the American people, I have to admire. Yeah, you have to. She she was someone of unwavering conviction, unlike a good number of leftists that I know of. Uh, her convictions never changed. And I think that's largely because she was Jewish. We, we Jews, even even the liberal amongst us, uh, tend to be very stalwart in our uh, in our positions in, in the way we hold to um, our opinions and our our ethics. Equally notable, uh, Eddie Van Halen. Uh, this, especially to a lot of Monco Radio listeners, th- this was this was a crushing blow back in October. Um, barely uh, as old as my father. My father's is in his late sixties. Eddie Van Halen was sixty-five. Um, a tragic loss to the music world. Just, um, just many decades long career of really good hard rock music. Um, one one of the greats, one of the giants, and then Alex Trebek who died closer to the end of the year, um, he he became one of those natural cultural icons. His, his genuine nature and his kindness that you saw on Jeopardy was Alex Trebek in real life. He's one of the few that had a sort of Mr. Rogers-like character to him. And he never flaunted it. He always championed causes that he knew would help other people equal to himself and we lost him uh, a little over a month ago to uh, stage four pancreatic cancer and in amazing tribute to his legacy and to his his strength of character uh, jeopardy very wisely let all of his uh, shows that were recorded up till the last one, which aired on December 25th, uh, air uh, rather than just preempting them. Uh, it it was a sad loss for the Jeopardy family. It's a sad loss for American culture, uh, and I can only hope that at some point Jeopardy finds someone of equal stature, or at least someone who will develop to that equal stature. Uh, he cannot be replaced. He will be sorely missed. But we can at least move on. Uh, there are many, many other peoples, many other people that fall into this list. 
again, like I said, over 750,000 of them to COVID and to other other things. Um, I don't celebrate death. I know many people do for various reasons, including enemies and people against their political beliefs and so on and so forth. That isn't me. That will never be me. Uh, God willing, at least. I, I can't speak to the future definitively, but I, that's not my plan. I, I don't plan on celebrating anybody's death for any, any reason. Um, not even my enemies. I don't have many enemies, and if I do ever acquire them, God forbid, I can't foresee throwing a party the day they're dead. I, it's just That's just not me. It's just not how I was raised. Here are my top five. Number five, the COVID vaccine. Something that 10 months ago, certain people of a certain political stripe were saying could not happen, happened. And it didn't happen from just one company. It happened from three before December 31st. Three companies said, here's the vaccine. Go. What? Wait a minute. It's not supposed to have happened. You said so. You had medical experts back you up and vouch that a vaccine for a temperamental virus that keeps changing strains every couple of months couldn't happen. Now, I'm not going to vouch for the efficacy of the vaccine. I'm not going to go there because uh, I don't know that the vaccine is of any real use yet because it hasn't been tested in the wild. It's only now being administered and people are trying to push it and administer it en masse. Uh, So I'm I'm a little skittish there. But just think of the miracle of what the Trump administration called Operation Warp Speed. It happened. We had a vaccine, and it was it was somewhat viable, viable enough for people to now flip on a dime and say, here, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, shut up, take it, do it. Do what I tell you, take it. A miracle. A straight-up miracle. And I think not not a small one. And it will be one of those events in human history where we're going to go, holy crap, this is a Jonas Salk moment. Truthfully, it is. Uh, And I don't care that big corporations put it together. This needed the strength, muscle, manpower, and money of a big corporation. And it was several big corporations, and they got it done. It's pretty astounding, actually. Um, So kudos. Operation Warp Speed, a, a wild success even though you've got skeptics like me who won't take it as long as there's 24 hours to a day. Number four. (laughs) Number four. uh, Wow. Number four, the Abraham Accords. Now, if I'm putting this at number four, what are my top three? The Abraham Accords, man. Three. Not one, but three peace agreements between Israel and three former Arab enemies. Now, like any such agreement, okay, like the Camp David Accords, like you know the the um, the so-called agreement uh, between uh, between Israel and what was then known as the PLO, uh, who knows if it's going to last? I don't. I don't know if it's going to last. Um, God willing, yes, it will, and it will last for generations. That's the hope. That's the plan. But here's the astounding thing. The most vilified president in American history since Abraham Lincoln, and I'm not saying it, 
because the media, the 90% of you uh, that hold the reins of legacy media uh, vilified this guy from the from before the moment he announced he was running from president, running for president on the drop. This guy's a this, he's a that, he's that, but, 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 but. Even I was skeptical about Donald Trump back in 2016 and early 2017. Um, but he's proven himself. And this is one of the major proofs that happened in 2020. Not one, but three. Again, you can't attribute it solely to the president himself because he, he may have been the one that gave the impetus to have it happen. But he wasn't the one that actually put it together. Uh his diplomats, his advisors put it together. And the fact that they could put it together at all after decades and decades and decades and decades of American pandering and two-state solutions. No, no. These diplomats said, baby steps. Let's try this one guy out here. Let's not deal with the hotbed issue at home. Let's try and make peace on the outside. If we can make peace on the outside... They might be able to exert enough pressure to put peace on the inside. Who knows? Time will tell. But the fact that it's happening even for just one day, and so far it's been a couple months, is astounding. It's taken decades to try and even get anywhere close to the negotiating table. And now we've got three peace treaties on our hands. Three. Love it. But I'm going to flip the coin from the positive to the negative. One of the big negatives of 2020, Cuties from Netflix. And that whole idea, and I've seen it, I've seen variations of this across all kinds of different media spectra. The whole idea that it's okay to blur the lines between child protection and pornography. Um, Someone created a documentary for Netflix about little girls in another country. Thank God, another country. Because <laughs> I don't think it's what happened in this movie was legal. Um, but I, I never watched Cuties. I only know the premise. And the premise was that these are little girls, you know, just at the edge of puberty, out there shaking everything from the waist down for a bunch of old men. Just the concept, what, how you would even think that this is something positive in any light uh, and shouldn't have been reported to Interpol <laughs> at the drop of a pin. Uh, it just speaks to how far people are willing to morph their morality. As I've often said, Morality can't be dictated by human beings. It can only be dictated by a power that is above humanity. Whatever you view that power to be, even if it's a human construction that says, hey, here are all these quote-unquote gods, what I call false gods, but let's say it's a pantheon of gods, they're the moral standard. They're the ones that issue the moral standard. Here's where it's codified. For us Jews, it's codified in, in the Torah. Um, it's codified from God. That's the moral standard, and it's an unchanging moral standard. This idea that humanity can create a moral standard, my evidence for how wrong you are, if you hold that belief that humanity can create a global moral standard, my evidence for how wrong you are is cuties. Number two, 
Walk away. Hashtag walk away. Uh, didn't happen in the massive numbers that we had hoped, but uh, the walk away movement was uh, something that was another hallmark, sort of an understated hallmark of 2020. The walk away movement uh, is a movement, still is a movement of showcasing and highlighting the so far growing list of Democrats that have said, former Democrats that have said sayonara to the party, have realized that they've, they're hinging too much on leftism, too much on negativity, too much on violence, too much on mob rule. And uh, some didn't go to the Republican Party. Some went nonpartisan. Uh, a lot did go to the Republican Party. Uh, and I don't necessarily see that as a good thing or a bad thing, but it is definitely noteworthy to show how many people hold liberal values but realize that people are trying to push the envelope way, way past a direction that they're comfortable with. A lot of these people went to um, hear certain people speak, including one example I saw on YouTube. There was a lady who went to listen to Donald Trump at a rally just to listen to the guy. That's all. She wasn't going to vote for him. She wasn't nothing. But when she came out and she was uh, surrounded and screamed at and her car was assaulted by these individuals just because she went to listen to the man speak, that snapped her. And she said goodbye. Uh, I forget who the woman was, but you can just look up hashtag walk away on YouTube and you will see the dozens of videos that they've produced. Um and they and their website has estimations as to how many people actually did in fact hacked, hashtag walk away. Uh, and then there's me, who's part of that. I'm part of the walk away movement. No, I didn't. I was never a Democrat. I was. I'm never been a liberal. Never been a leftist. That's just not my thing. What I did walk away from was legacy media. I said goodbye in 2020 to legacy media. I stopped watching Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. I stopped watching all the major networks, ABC, NBC, CBS. I don't watch anything on network TV or cable at all anymore. Nope. I, I subscribe to The Blaze, to The Daily Wire. I uh, watch videos on YouTube of you know entertainment value, of, you know, of people who are in the middle of the road, including a local guy. Uh, I don't know if many of you know of him. Uh, I'm certain a good number of you do. His name's Tyrone Magnus. The guy is not a political guy at all. He makes a lot of videos where he is his Try Not to Laugh series with you know the family guy and and, and other things. And the guy is pretty funny. He, he's pretty, pretty realistic. He's like, look, I don't want to do politics. It's not my bag. I, I, can't, I can't go with something like that. Because there's there's nothing in it for me, nothing. Um, you know, I've seen too much bad on every side, and and he um, he's actually a pretty fair dude, and and I like his perspective. Uh, so go look him up, Tyrone Magnus on YouTube. It's pretty pretty awesome. Uh, part of my walk away strategy from legacy media. So done. I mean, I'll look up news clips and things like that for this show and for other things, but that's about it. Speaking of this show. Um, it is a podcast, so you don't have to just do what you're doing right now, which is listening live on Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. 
which you can do by clicking on modcoradio.com. There's a play button right at the top. Just hit that. If you're not into talk and if you're not listening, not interested in listening to one guy drone on for an hour about his personal likes, dislikes, this, that, and the third, that's fine. That's okay. Go click on the schedule, okay, and find something you like. There's a lot of music played on this show. A lot of great music, a lot of classic music, a lot of good music. You know, genres that go up and down the scale, that go across the entire spectrum. Um, And there are other talk shows as well. So don't hesitate. Look at that schedule. Find something that fits your schedule, something that fits your tastes. Listen live. Engage live. We're not in the studio yet. Thank you, COVID. Ugh. But (laughs) you can at least listen to something that we pre-recorded and threw into that nice little broadcasting machine and are bringing to you live. This show comes live to you every Monday and Thursday, 9 a.m. and 9 p.m., four times a week. Uh, And if that doesn't fit your schedule, that's cool. Um, It's a little bit behind on my scheduling timetable, but it is a podcast that you can download uh, at DaveAstonMedia.com slash small guy pod uh, you'll see the link for both Monco radio and the downloadable podcast uh, so if you don't have the time that's cool daveastonmedia.com slash small guy pod is also a blog so i'd like your comments tell me what you like what you hate what you you know you'd like to hear uh and even if i make a plan and it's something you didn't want to hear that's okay um Whatever. You know, give me ideas. Give me ideas. I'd love to hear your comments. Let me know what you think about the show. Thanks. Um, anyway, down to my number one. My number one is these godforsaken shutdowns. <sighs> Ugh. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Um, these shutdowns have been the pits. They've killed business. They've... Uh, they've killed people's morale they've just made things generally miserable I, I hear a lot of talk about how great they are for the environment and this and that and the third and the fifth and the twelfth and the <laughs> shut up just shut the heck up if it doesn't have a positive effect on the human race the rest is meaningless Abso-frickin-lutely meaningless. You put these shutdowns in place as a precautionary measure, uh, but you also put them in without any sufficient timetable, which puts them into the realm of potentially unconstitutional. You shut down religious services, but you won't shut down other things, like brothels, open-air not that brothels are legal, but I'm just giving some outrageous example. You know, you shut down open air markets and then you reopen them, but the churches have to stay closed because of science. Uh, And when the science pans out to be the opposite of your reality, or these people take you up on your suggestions from the CDC and show to you Hey, we've got six feet in between each person and all these pews and all these chairs and all these rooms, whether it's a synagogue, a mosque, or a church. Come on, man. The shutdowns just 
initially necessary to clean things up, slow people down, focus in on you know acquiring new habits. Cool. But to be honest, by the end of the summer, we should have been back to work, back to quote unquote normal. Everybody, whether they want to keep the six feet, dis- six foot distance, fine, let them wear a mask, fine, let them. But past that, you're screwing with our lives, you're screwing with our liberty, you're screwing with our freedom, and any opposing opinion you are shutting down because, quote-unquote, our actions are killing masses amounts of people. I got a news flash for you. The number of COVID deaths that have happened are lower, way lower, especially in the United States. And the United States is number one Number one country in the world for the, the COVID deaths. There are fewer COVID deaths than there are deaths from secondhand smoke. Look up the statistics from the CDC. There are fewer COVID deaths now than there are from secondhand smoke. Now, the statistics are a, a year or two old because they the last survey they did was like 2018 or something like that. But think about that. And that's a product we don't want to ban. We have never banned because we need our freedom. We also need the tax revenue, but that's a side point. Okay, We need our freedom to choose what we want. But when it comes to COVID, all of a sudden the message changes, even though verifiably there are fewer fatalities. Get your stuff in order. Get your house in order. And whether you agree with me or not, whether I've raised your ire or you're going, yeah, man, do it. USA, USA, rock on. Whatever, whatever your reaction is. Um, just remember that I love you. And I'll see you next time. Mwah. Happy New Year, and I love you. Yeah.